explain those bad lads. That's a hell of a name. I don't consider myself a conspiracy buff at all. But when they get a lot of coincidences, I get a little suspicious and call me crazy. Weird talk shows, crazy groups every Sunday telling you what you think. The Republicans and the Democrats conspire with one another. Which they do. There is a conspiracy by big business against American democracy. We know that there was a conspiracy. There was a conspiracy. There was no conspiracy. Was there a conspiracy? Communist conspiracy. Directed uh, out of Moscow. The right-wing conspiracy. Communist conspiracy is a deliberate and predictable plan of action to subvert the world. Right-wing conspiracy. international criminal conspiracy. Vast right-wing conspiracy. Great conspiracy. There are all these conspiracy theories. Is there a conspiracy? I don't know. themselves even involved in the conspiracy. There was, there was a conspiracy. No evidence of a conspiracy. Anybody would have to be uh, would have to be a fool nowadays to dismiss conspiracy. Conspiracy theory. Conspiracy theory. Conspiracy theory exists because there really is conspiracy. But they never told a soul about it. In fact, they engaged in a vast conspiracy. Since you get accused of being a conspiracy theorist or being a paranoid. The historical context of actual conspiracy. conspiracy. A conspiracy of bad people. As always happens at some point in a conspiracy. One night, Cousin Eddie got drunk in a honky-tonk and spilled the beans. There was a conspiracy and government was involved in it. Conspiracy existing within the United States government. There was a conspiracy. A conspiracy. A conspiracy by the CIA. A conspiracy of a few. Dark, secretive, conspiratorial evil. Then it was certainly a deliberate conspiracy. High level conspiracy. The, uh, the do's and the don'ts and the rights and the wrongs of the, the various conspiracy theories that are good. The possibility of a conspiracy, uh, in a moral sense, I think it was a conspiracy. One conspiracy, that's all I'm talking about. They're full of uh, speculation, conspiracy theories and the like. And what's, what's going on here? You began to wonder what was really happening in America. I mean, was there a vast conspiracy afoot? You know, there could have been a conspiracy. Do you there. think you're obsessed with conspiracy? Conspiracy theory. A conspiracy. I'm afraid you'll catch me. I'm afraid you'll catch me. A conspiracy would do the job nicely. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to your favorite Monday show, Baseless Conspiracies. Hope you're all doing well. Zach, how are you doing, man? John, I'm doing very well. Thank you so much for asking. Did you have a good weekend? I did. It was uh, fairly low-key, but pretty good. How was your weekend? You got you went to a Badland, Badlands get-together, didn't you? That's right. It was a uh, Badlands fan club event. They wanted to be very clear that they were not directly associated with Badlands, just fans of Badlands. Yeah. Uh, there was about 30 people there. It was uh, it was great. You know, I mean, all people from the Florida area. Uh, it took me a couple hours to get there and then uh, about three and a half hours to get home. Jeez, oh, Pete's traffic going mm -hmm. through Orlando on the way back was rough. It was very, very bad. You must but, be a big uh, fan. Well, <laughs> I'm a fan of baseless conspiracies. I'll say that. No, <laughs> I uh, they had they had asked me to come and I thought, you know, well, this is such a cool thing. And I knew that there were going to be people there that I had met at uh, at Garts and you know, other events previously. So, um, I, plus, uh, you know, Joe was there. Uh, uh, Brian Cates showed up as well. I guess he lives very close. So, General uh, Quast, yeah, there, I saw, was there. Yeah, General Quast, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Oak McCuller was there as well. Yep, I and, got his uh, book up here, by the way. I, about yeah. halfway through it, his book on leadership, which is a great book. I recommend getting it. 
And uh, I will say this general costs card is like premium. Yeah. Have you ever seen American psycho? Like when they're passing out their business cards and yep. like they're, they're each one freaking out just a little bit more because the last business card was better than the next one. That was kind of how it was. It was like super premium, super really? thick. It was embossed gold lettering, all, all the stuff. I must have his old business card because I don't remember being that impressed by it. <laughs> <laughs> I got I mean, impressed more. by him, not the yeah. business card, but that was like a two years ago. So yeah, he, he was great. It, it was cool. So um, yeah, it, it was nice to have a chance to talk to all those people. And, um, and definitely I'm looking forward to uh, future events. It's nice to know how many people uh, are part of the Badlands crew that, that live down here in Florida. I'm sure there was even more people. They just couldn't come for one reason or another. I think that a couple of people had to drop out, but yeah, that is great. Yeah. Very exciting to see. I know um, if you guys are in the guard chats, there's been multiple little uh, loc location groups that have popped up. So make sure you get in there and find your group. And I know Arizona does one of these California or no, New York, maybe. I know I've heard of like three or four different locations that have already had get to like regular get togethers. And it's so cool to see. Still yeah. waiting for somebody to organize a North Dakota one so I could uh, attend because I ain't doing right. it. But I'll you go. gotta wait till at least May when the snow has melted. It's not that it's like melted now. It's not that bad out. We've had multiple days in a row of uh, above forty degree weather. So <laughs> I've been sunbathing and stuff because, because because of that. That's great. That's great. Yeah, I was yeah. just teasing, anyways. But um, yeah, no. so <laughs> no, what were you gonna say? Well, I was going to say, we're, we're going to talk about the Haiti and the Clintons, and you actually came up with the topic idea from the get-together. Oh, that's right. Yes, yes. I met a, a lovely woman by the name of Angie. Her and her husband, are um, uh, they own a business uh, selling like building supplies for people who are remodeling their homes. Oh, I and don't I remember like, them being a sponsor. <clears throat> well, I, I I don't know. I didn't get a chance hmm. to, to go down that route with them, or you know, they might be listening or watching right now, but they were they were great we had a great time talking and i was talking about my experience uh you know remodeling my bathroom myself and i told them that my plan next is to begin the process of remodeling the kitchen so i got to get cabinets and stuff and and they were like you, if you buy them from us you're gonna save like thousands and thousands of dollars and i was like you're speaking my language did you tell <laughs> so, them about your door story i did <laughs> it, it turns out turns out they knew the people I bought the doors from, he was, the husband was like, you know, oh yeah, I know all those guys. Yeah. I totally know that dude. <laughs> the guy he, actively trying to not sell you a door. He yeah, bought a door from. Did I tell yeah. the story on the air? I don't think so, but I just ruined it for everybody. So you don't need to. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So basically, basically I, I was trying to get a really good deal on doors. Um, and the doors here in Florida, if you get a new door, it's like $400 for like, uh, like a, a shoddy interior door. And I was like, there's no way I, I can afford to change out all the doors in the house. Uh, or, and if I did, I'd have to do it like slowly over the course of a couple of years, maybe. But so anyways, not that I have like that big of a house, but I mean, you know, there, there's 10 different doors throughout the house. And, um, and so I found this place up North in New Jersey and I sent them uh, a message and I said, I want to get doors. I see you got to ship them. How much are they? And he was like, well, you know, you're probably better just getting them local because there's going to be shipping costs. And I was like, well, I mean, I'm, I'm counting on the fact that there's going to be shipping costs. You guys are in New Jersey. And uh, and he still was trying not to sell to me. And I said, I said, give me a call. Let me give me two minutes of your time. And I, I was like, I'm not trying to waste your, your, your time here. Like, 
I know how expensive these doors are if I buy them down here. And obviously, it's a much better deal if I get them from you. So just tell me what the freight is. I will give you my credit card and you will send them to me immediately. And it was just pulling teeth. I've never gone through an experience like that where somebody didn't want to sail, especially like in this economy with the well, way things in that industry too, I used to sell windows and doors. I spent a whole year doing that before I got into the insurance world. And then after that, I got into fundraising, but like it was competitive. Like I, I, I tell you, man, there were people that would like suck dick for door leads. Like it was, it was that competitive. So I've never heard of a door salesman tell somebody, no, just go get it somewhere else. It's just so weird. Yeah. So weird. But anyway, um, so I think, I think brass cubes is her husband. Because he, oh, he no said way. Andrew was like, "Hey, we know that we know that that warehouse." <laughs> Sweet, yeah. yeah. Hey, so he's, they've been they've been watching forever. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. They they're old school badlanders, that's for sure. So they were really cool. Uh, I'm definitely going to go to them when I uh, when I you know plan out the kitchen. I got a anyway. I've been talking to him all weekend. We I got an email from Angie, and that's how I got the the idea for this show tonight. Um, because oh, not her husband brass cubes we don't want to start oh, not her oh yeah. she he, they just know who they are okay maybe, maybe they were was, there maybe they may, were maybe this together. is maybe this is oak's wife i don't know <laughs> well brass cubes oh. looks like it looks like a dude it does look like a dude okay well On maybe wow. whoever it is super oh they were sitting right by you they said okay okay all right no problem clearly no didn't problem. leave that big of an impression brass cubes dude, there was 30 people there john <laughs> i'm just kidding <laughs> And people did not have their screen names on. They had like their Christian names on their name tags. Gotcha. So, yeah. Anyways, okay. so 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 they we were talking and they they basically told me that they had been personal friends with someone who was likely a victim on the Clinton body count. And I said, Well, you're gonna have to give me the information. And this sounds like a, a perfect subject for baseless conspiracies. And I had already been thinking about one other subject and at the end of the event, they had asked me if I got any show ideas. And I said, well, I'm looking at two. And I gave them both. And this one was the one that everybody cheered for. So I what said, I guess one? I'm doing The other one was the, the Galactic Federation. And yeah. uh, somebody was like, you, you got to talk to General Quast about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Oh, that's funny. So anyways, maybe on a future show, that'll be a, a, a little more tongue in cheek. But uh, this one's this one's serious. I mean, th th it's not just about the Clinton body count because we kind of did a 40,000 foot view show on that, maybe even two. I can't remember. But this is really about the tragedy of the, the Haiti earthquake and the you know 10 plus year uh, blowback that occurred from that. And I mean, to be perfectly honest, Haiti is still suffering. Um, <laughs> they, they never got the aid that they were promised. And uh, meanwhile, the Clintons have just grown richer. If that tells you anything. Yeah. Uh, and this is interesting, too, because it's another one of those subjects like where I wasn't paying attention. I wasn't following along when this all went down. And so I'm probably need a lot of flack from the chat again tonight for asking dumb questions and, and playing my role as the gay straight man. But <laughs> hey, that's what I'm here for. Ever. I do want to talk about the Tucker Carlson thing before we get into oh, yeah. the show. But before we that's even right. do that. I do want to talk about a couple of our sponsors on tonight's episode. First, we got Field of Greens. Field of Greens is the healthiest thing that I do every single day, and I want you to be doing it as well. It's just one scoop a day. It tastes great. I'm a huge fan of the wild berry flavor. 
I'm actually out of it right now. So if anybody on my sales team or from Field of Greens happens to be listening, put in a good word, have them send me that. Not the lemon lime. That's the one I'm on right now. It's not bad, but it's no wild berry. Anyway, this is nutrition the way that nature intended. You'll get way more energy throughout the day. You'll sleep better throughout the night. You'll get healthier hair and skin. It helps with your digestion, makes your stomach, everything feel better. You just feel better and healthier overall. Field of Greens is radically different than other nutritional supplements like this, the, the veggies, the veggie drinks. Each organic fruit and vegetable was medically chosen to support heart and vital organ health. I trust Field of Greens to keep me healthy. That's why you should trust them as well. Go to Badlands Media, or sorry, fieldofgreens.com. Use promo code BASELESS. You can get 15% off your first order and free rush shipping. That's fieldofgreens.com, promo code BASELESS to support this show specifically. And then we also got our second sponsor of tonight's show, Goldco. Are you concerned about the $6 trillion at stake in the upcoming 2024 election? The Wall Street Journal has reported a critical issue, the looming decision on extending tax cuts scheduled to expire after 2025. Republicans advocate for extending Trump's tax cuts while Democrats lean towards letting them expire and increasing taxes on top earners and corporations, potentially creating a massive $6 trillion gap. But fear not, there's a way to protect yourself from this impending threat during the thousands of hardworking Americans who are taking proactive steps to safeguard their savings. Visit BadlandsGold.com to claim your free 2024 gold and silver kit and fortify everything you've worked for. You may even qualify for up to 10% back in bonus silver. So hurry while supplies are limited on that offer. Don't leave your financial future to chance. Act now to diversify and shield your savings against the uncertainties ahead. Yeah, we, we always believe in diversifying, guys, and we are actually in the process of bringing on a uh, a cryptocurrency Bitcoin uh, sponsor as well, like uh, somebody you can work with to purchase Bitcoin. Because if you haven't noticed, guys, that is uh, also doing pretty darn well lately. It's been kind of nuts. I think I it's like 50. Yeah, I know. But I, I want to talk about it because it makes you feel bad. <laughs> it's got up to like 54,000 today. Yeah, so I, that, saw. That was cool. I saw. I saw imagine how much you could have if you could get access to your wallet if you didn't if you would have invested in a good company zach you wouldn't have that issue that's why we're we're partnering with a good company and we'll be announcing that yep. soon okay anyway, great did you <laughs> you're so salty about it dude i mean it was like my life savings I, I, yeah it's it's a salty thing <laughs> okay let's um did you see the tucker story today i i am aware of it and I saw something about it, and somebody in the chat mentioned uh, Habitat for Humanity Restore. I know where at least two of them are located close to me. Um, I actually worked for Habitat for Humanity years ago when I was in college. I, I did some grant writing for them, and I built seven houses from the ground up. And that's how I have the construction ability that I have today. So I always go to Habitat for Humanity Restores to see what I can pick up there first. Um, I do. I, I had a little fake news there. I, I lied. I said fifty-four thousand. Zach, it, it it's up to fifty-six three ninety-four right now. God, it may have even money. been higher today. I don't know, but that's like <laughs> almost ten percent. Yeah, yeah, that's it's awesome. Just you know, let that salt out, bro. Just let it out. <laughs> anyway, so I want to I want to preface the story. I'm I'm a little skeptical, a little skeptical just based on the source. Not Kanakoa. Normally he's pretty good. But the source he used, it's it's iffy, and a lot. But a lot of clickbaiters ran with this. Not saying Kanako was a clickbaiter, but a lot of other clickbait accounts were like, "Oh my gosh, this is you know this happened." We don't really have any other form of confirmation. Like Tucker Carlson could come out right now and confirm this if he wanted to, but I haven't seen it yet. 
but I'm going to read this and show you a video. Russian counterterrorism unit thwarts assassination temp attempt on Tucker Carlson. A Moscow man was arrested for allegedly accepting payment from Ukrainian intelligence to plant an explosive on Tucker Carlson's vehicle, targeting the American journalist during his interview with Putin. And just to show you something, this came a day after we got word from the New York Times, something we already knew for a long time in this community, but the CIA is basically, it is the Ukraine intelligence services. Like it, it's one of their notes. So yeah which is why I posted the CIA actually tried to assassinate Tucker, one yeah. of their own, probably, because I swear that dude's CIA. Anyway, mm -hmm. in November 2023, I was recruited by the main directorate of intelligence of the Ministry of Defense of Ukraine. I was trained in working with special communications, collecting and detonating uh, explosive devices. On January 31st, I received a task from the curator to pick up an explosive device from a hiding place and use it to blow up a car. What was promised to you? $4,000. That's the price they put on Tucker's head. It seems a little, little small. Where was the explosive device used, uh, supposed to be used? In the underground parking of the Four Seasons Hotel in Moscow. I was supposed to pick it up or pick up the explosive device from a hiding place and place it under the car. Who was the targeting? I wasn't told. Do you know who the target was now? Yes, American journalist Tucker Carlson. What went wrong? I was detained at the preparation stage. And then this is the video. And you have to read it. But... Mm -hmm. We're going to play it anyways. For those that stand at home, sorry. I'm Vasily Petrovich Yevich, площадь-слышмонгонорожденный-вооруженец-подольск-наверное-двадцатьтретьем-годом-был-завернбомбс-атомником-бомбоукраины-через-сеть-интернет-проходило-обучение-работницы-спецфекса-спецсвязи-сб
or so, maybe it was even more complicated than that. I mean, maybe a call to the second phone would then forward to the bomb itself. Hmm. Which one do you think is the Pro Max that they used for communication? Or was that yeah, the one for the bomb? That was probably like the OnePlus or uh, some other Chinese <laughs> Russian exclusive. <laughs> is this like the Nokia original phone here for the bomb too? It, it looks like it. Something like that. Yeah. Maybe because it's uh, it's so old, it would be much easier to, uh, or much more difficult, rather, to be able to trace back. Yeah. Uh, I, mean, I mean, technically, everything we've seen so far, I, I mean, I could see why people could be skeptical, because there is some skepticism going around um, yeah. about this, which, again, I would love to have somebody like a Putin or, uh, you know, or Tucker himself be like, yeah, I somebody tried to kill me while I was there. It was kind of nuts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And in light of the, the CIA story, this is a huge deal because we do have to question whether or not th did the CIA put a hit out on Tucker because we know that they were upset about him going over there. So, I mean, oh, yeah. pretty wild. Well, they and, and Ukraine itself put out a hit on Tucker Carlson as well mm -hmm. when it was announced that Tucker was going to Russia specifically to speak with um, with Putin. Um, Zelensky has a kill list. Uh, that's published of journalists who have given favorable coverage to Russia and are then considered traitors to the Ukrainian state. And, uh, you know, um, gosh, what was his name? The guy who uh, just died, Coach Red Pill. Um, I can't, I, I said his name before the show and I, I'm drawing a blank right now. Um, Navalny? Oh, no, Gonzalo, Gonzalo Lira. Oh, yep. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he was on that list and they definitely killed him. So, it would not surprise me at all if this was a legitimate assassination attempt and it could be, you know, I don't, we don't know where Tucker is right now. Um, maybe he's calling some contacts at the state department to see if the CIA were involved. I think you're right. There is some strange and interesting timing there with the New York times putting out that article. And then, you know, the next day we get this story that uh, the Ukrainian <laughs> intelligence services put out a hit yeah. on Tucker Carlson and, I mean, it, you know, one plus one. I mean, it seems pretty likely that the CIA at least would have known about it. Um, and, you know, I, I also put a heavy weight on uh, that the CIA could have actually had a hand in it. Um, yeah. I mean, they've been operating there since after World War II. I mean, you know, immediately uh, the 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 OSS was over there helping to extricate those Nazis and uh, and the scientists. And I think what was it, 1947, when the CIA was officially founded i think it was i i'm pretty sure it was like within two years of world war ii and uh and so yeah ever since then they have been uh propping up the uh the, the left 46 okay so yeah. they were over there propping up the leftover nazis that were ukrainian nazis uh and they were kind of bolstering them as a uh, uh as as a as a fight as a fighting force against the spread of communism yeah it looks uh, like it was the Truman made the Central Intelligence Group in 46, yeah. and then it was transformed into the CIA from the NSA Act or the National Security Act of 1947. Okay. Well, so I, I was, I remembered correctly. This is also interesting yeah. in the, like, on the heels of the Tucker Putin interview, mm -hmm. where, where Putin basically said, yeah, the CIA is behind all this bullshit. Oh, yeah. And then now we get the story from the New York Times of all places, which that's where the CIA goes to drop their. Like, like that's where they go and spin stuff mm -hmm. and so why why this story now and then yeah like the timing of the this assassination attempt allegedly if it's if it's genuine 
um the whole thing is just a clusterfuck man i, I do have a theory about it um you know so if you if you think about why the ukrainians and the u.s government and cia would have been so upset that tucker was going to do the interview with putin um it's because that represents a loss of narrative control for them you know the entire conversation surrounding putin inside the united states i mean they've banned rt uh, you don't have the ability to easily gain access to russian news sources uh Pretty much everything that's reported is coming from the CIA mouthpieces in yeah. the Mockingbird media. And so Tucker going over there and having this conversation with him and showing him to be a, you know, even level headed, sensible and, you know, historically minded person. I mean, it presented a very different picture than what the mainstream media and the CIA and the State Department have tried to present when they discuss what's going on with Putin. You know, you would think that he would have been a madman wailing and flailing his arms with froth coming out of the corners of his mouth. I mean, how many times have you heard that, you know, Putin is a madman. Putin is a mass murderer. You know, he will kill his grandmother as soon as get a new pair of shoes. You know, you just hear the most outrageous things. I've never heard so, that one, but yeah. Well, not that specifically. <laughs> so, so they uh, so so that now they have lost that, you know, a lot of people. I don't know how many millions of people saw that interview, but many millions of people saw it and they changed their mind. Or at the very least, they thought to themselves when watching it, this doesn't jive with everything that I've been told every time I turn on the news or open up a newspaper or look at my phone. You know, so what's going on here? And I don't think that in any conversation about the conflict between Ukraine and Russia in any setting. Have I ever heard a historical breakdown of that depth and, and that magnitude? No. You know, I mean, it was clear that there was a, a lot of forethought that went into this and that the entire narrative since the end of the Cold War and the fall of the Berlin Wall, it, it's it's been it's been couched within the concept of Russia being the aggressor. But when Putin spoke, it became quite clear that Russia extended an olive branch at every single juncture, and that if yeah. anybody was the aggressor over the last several decades, it was the United States. You know, it's like it, it's like that skit of Mitchell and Webb. Are we the baddies? Never seen it, but oh, we, John, you've got you, you got to see it. It's, we, it's short. <laughs> well, send me a link and I'll watch it. Maybe we'll close okay. up the show with that. Um, All right, but no, the CIA has been like fully exposed now. I would yeah. say as they're 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 the enemy you know they are the enemy that's been up against trump i mean the deep state but they are the they're the militant wing of the deep state and that's who trump trump has got to work at taking out but it's one of those things where if you don't expose it first you can't fully take it out i think it was a ghost of base patrick henry today who uh had a, a tweet on this mm -hmm. and, and i really liked how he said it, it it's trump could have just went in there and like totally you know metaphorically lit the cia on fire and got rid of them but they would have just been operating like they do anyway yep. in the shadows and it, it wouldn't have mattered. But if you expose all the stuff that they're behind and expose that they are, you know, the ones at the forefront of this war against Russia, and that's who Russia is fighting and all yep. these color revolutions and all these other things, it, it, then you have a lot better chance at actually uh, rooting out the problem. So, yeah, they, I'm, they, it's fascinating. They've made the case for us. You know, it's like, Trump, I, I believe that this is exactly the way that Trump wanted it to go. You know, I mean, in the same way that he has exposed the CIA in the long run 
in the same way that he has exposed the mainstream media, the Democrat Party, the rhinos. It's like every institution within the United States that was, you know, with you know, a, a smiling face, uh, essentially bending us over and telling us that this is exactly what we wanted. Uh, now they have essentially done the hard work for him. They've made the case of why they can't continue in their current incarnation. And Trump, as soon as he walked into office, he walked into Langley and he said, I'm going to build you a new house without columns. He told them exactly what he was going to do. Yeah. And that scared them. That scared them and rattled their cage. So they were like, we cannot allow Trump to take down the institution of the CIA or anything else. And so what happened? You know, we watched it all play out. Now, the, the article in The New York Times um Putin exposed them in that interview for being behind all of these various uh, actions and, and operations. Again, we've known about this stuff for so long, but I think for a lot of people, you know, this was the first time they're like, what, what the CIA has been doing this. Oh my God. You're like, I, I thought they were just like spying. They were just like trying to get our guys out of there. And so now they write this article exposing the fact that, you know, yeah, yeah, we're doing this stuff. It's like they're now coming out in the aftermath of that interview and they're taking ownership of it. It's like, you know, it's like after the 2020 election when everybody was talking about the fraud and Time Magazine writes the article, you know, we didn't steal the election. We fortified it. OK, yeah. they took control of the narrative and they changed the conversation. Of course, it didn't matter for us. I think the CIA is trying to do the exact same thing. Yeah, or I wonder if they're trying to get out ahead of something. If something else is coming out that they need to get out ahead of, but I haven't. Um, I'm gonna have to read it, reread it again, and we'll we'll definitely discuss it on Wednesday's Power Hour. I do one more thing I want to talk about before we get into the main topic. Big news today: one of the Rothschilds has has yep. died, and unfortunately, it wasn't Mike. But we'll take the one we got. Um. <laughs> um <laughs> not a fan of mike not a fan of mike but but yes we lost uh, a rothschild and um kind of big news i would say J jacob right yes yes jacob the inspiration for mr burns on the simpsons is was that really yes oh my god of course he was i didn't i didn't realize yeah that. take a look at him <laughs> he's got the same hunch and everything <laughs> <laughs> that makes a lot more sense now holy shit Oh man! Oh, come on, it was a joke, guys. Chat. <laughs> Half the chat is offended, as always, about that. About joke. Mike Rothschild? Yeah, the dude trying to get me to lose my kids. Okay. I'm, yeah, I'm well, a little. I'm salty about that Rothschild. Yes. Yeah. I, I. You guys, I really think this is one that you should give John a pass on. Uh, if, I think if anybody here had a nationwide mainstream media journalist come and collude to remove your children from your custody in the midst of a contentious divorce battle, you would probably harbor some ill will too. So if anything, I feel like I've been pretty well behaved and restrained in how I feel yeah. about Mr. Rothschild. So absolutely. Absolutely. I've been waiting for Jacob to die just so I can make that joke, that joke. I've been waiting <laughs> for it. Uh, don't worry. His career is not going anywhere. No, it is not. But yeah, so big news. A lot of, um, I know a lot of the QAnon side of Twitter were very excited about about this. And obviously, I haven't read through all the Q drops. So, I mean, was he mentioned there? He must have been quite frequently. I mean, the Rothschilds have been mentioned. I, I think Evelyn de Rothschild, or not Evelyn, um, Lady Linda Rothschild, rather. 
Evelyn was a man. He's also passed away. But Linda Rothschild was specifically mentioned. She had a Twitter account. I don't know that she's active still, but she was at that time. And there were definitely some comms that were going on. And also there was a suspicious plane crash that happened hmm. directly over the Rothschild's estate. And at that time, we were very excited about that because the timing seemed to be very coincidental. Well, what um, was it with that then? Who It wasn't a Rothschild? No, it, it was, it, you know, I, it's been so many years and I'm sorry, I, I meant to look it up today and I didn't. I believe that it was two, like a helicopter and a plane that collided. I think the insinuation was that it was some type of like assassination mission and whoever it was, was intercepted. Um, does anybody know the number of the drop so that we can pull it up? Yeah, failed up. Um, but uh, but yeah, so you know, at that time we were thinking about that. And I think that, you know, obviously Jacob Rothschild was like the the patriarch at this point of the Rothschild family. Um, he's got three or four kids, if I'm not mistaken. He's got a couple of sisters. Um, there are uh, the children of the other brothers and cousins of the Rothschilds. Jacob was really the face, uh, the public face more than anything. And his children, his son, Nathaniel Rothschild, who has now become uh, the Baron de Rothschild, he's taken over for his father, gotten his title. And I believe he's also going to get the seat in the House of Lords. La Baron. Um, Baron. Baron. Yeah, I believe it's he's the he's. Well, he he was the fifth, and is, now he's yeah he's he's the fifth Baron de Rothschild, yeah, and um, so I think he's going to get Jacob's seat in the House of Lords. Now, you know, Jacob, excuse me, Nathaniel, his son, he's also a, a like a, a financier. He's also in the the business and banking world, but he's lost a ton of money through some bad deals over the years. Also had a problem with heroin. Wasn't exactly interested in like taking over the family business. I think that he kind of got to the point where he was too old to like party and stuff, and he uh, mm -hmm. he he had to do something. It was like that that Hunter Biden kind of thing. His ex wife back in 2018 was a member of the Red Scarf Club. Are you aware of that? Do you know what the I'm Red not, Scarf Club is? But are you saying that Hunter Biden grew out of his drug life? Because I, I feel no, like I he's think still... he was. He was forced out of his drug life. He was at least forced out of the active addiction part. Now he's oh. only staying sober because democracy hangs in the balance. I guess. Oh, I did see that. Article. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure. I mean, I guess we don't know for sure, but we we do believe that he had uh, a little cocaine at the the White House. Oh yeah. Oh, he definitely was doing some coke at the White House. Um, yeah. you know, but there's there's a little bit of a difference, but I mean, not that much. I mean, cocaine is cocaine. Crack is. A form of cocaine but if you're doing crack you're not doing much of anything else and that's why you could really tell that he was strung out in those pictures i mean he didn't weigh much he was just haggard his skin was hanging off his face you know bags under yeah. his eyes and then of course all of the pictures and videos of uh piles of crack that also <laughs> keyed everybody into what well, he was some, into some good evidence there yeah yeah lots of good evidence but um but, you know, he's he, he's he, at least he's trying. He's trying. I, I think he probably maybe he's got like a, a sober coach and he just gets super, super high on the weekends and then dries out during the week. Who knows? But he's uh, he's got people watching him now. And there's a, a, a much, much deeper 
lens that's being used to inspect his life. And so he can't afford to do what he was doing before because he knows that they're going to use it against, you know, his father as they should. And, um, but, but Nathaniel de Rothschild, his ex-wife in 2018, uh, now keeping in mind, they had not been divorced all that long. She had received a massive subs, uh, um, settlement in the divorce. Okay. Many, 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 many millions of dollars. She was found suicided in her uh, home. I believe she was living in London. What, she hung her herself. Uh, I, you know, hold on. I have to look it up because I don't know it off the top of my head. Um, she was a model. Uh, I think her name was Annabelle Nielsen. Oh, yeah. Died July of 2018. Yeah. July of 2018. She hung herself, allegedly, from the handle of a door. Like, that's how they kill people in prison, right? I mean, they just like that's what they did to Epstein. They wrapped a sheet around his neck and then they, you know, probably choked him out, held him on the bed and then just, you know, let him pass out. But what they'll do with doorknobs is they'll, you know, tie a scarf around somebody's neck. They... I can, they can, you can get somebody to the point of passing out so that they're not struggling anymore. You tie them to the doorknob just enough so that their body is hanging off the ground a little bit. And then the weight of their body will then finish the job for you. Um, she, oh, post 183. Thank you very much, Polymathon. Hey, Polymathon. Good to see you. Gotta ask, um, why are you so familiar with? Because there's, there's a whole series of deaths of people who were killed in this exact same way. Uh, mm. Annabelle Nielsen, uh, Anthony Bourdain, uh, Kate Spade, Chester Bennington, Chris Jeez. Cornell. Um, there all was of another them that guy, same way. All of them in that same way. There, there's what? another guy who was the drummer for the Dave, was it Dave Smith band? Who's the, you know what? I uh, There was this, this like jam band, Dave something, Dave Matthews, Dave Matthews band. Yeah, he was he was making a documentary along with Chester Bennington and Chris Cornell about child trafficking. And they're all dead. All three of them. And they were all murdered. Yeah. All and 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 the the red scarf was a hallmark. Like everybody had a red scarf. And like, mm. you know, of course, we are like, obviously these are connected. I mean, clearly you've got personal connections in these uh in these murders. Um, and then you've got the connection of the the red scarf. Oh, Rob, you know, Robin Williams, he did hang himself. But that was before, and I've never specifically been able to connect Robin Williams to it. I mean, he did openly struggle with depression for a long time. Yeah, so, I mean, I've heard of all these deaths. Did, didn't we even do a show on these? Maybe, maybe not. I know we did we, the Clinton body count, but I don't... Uh, you know, I mean, these may have come up in the course of it, but I don't think we did, like, a specific red scarf. Um, the red scarf but, thing is uh, interesting, though. You know, um, and <clears throat> I see people are are calling out anybody who ever uh, died by asphyxiation. Um, and, you know, it's worth looking at because, I mean, there's a lot of famous people who die in this way, um, you know, because it's a convenient way to kill somebody. You know, somebody like Michael Hutchins, I, I guess, you know, he was a problem to work with. This is the lead singer from NXS. But of course, after he dies, the studio retains the rights to his music and he's worth more in royalties dead than he would be alive because you know, he's not making any more music. And uh, this they, they do this quite, quite frequently. Uh, same thing they did to Prince. You know, Prince died 
uh, of a fentanyl overdose. He had an insane level of fentanyl in his body and he was Jehovah's witness. He did not drink. He did not drink. He did not drink alcohol. He didn't take drugs. He was stone cold sober. And, uh, yeah. And, and they killed him. I'm That's positive. Nuts, man. His catalog was huge. Oh, I'm sure. Same thing with Michael Jackson. You know, I mean, Michael Jackson accidentally gets uh, too much propofol. I mean, that wasn't that doctor's first rodeo. Yeah, man. I don't know. Killing everybody. Do I get do I get your royalties if if you die? You know, we, we've, never, we've never signed a contract for royalties, um, but if we start if we start getting them, yeah. Well, can I have your royalties? <laughs> Allow me to, to rephrase. After my death. <laughs> oh, okay, I guess you can have it. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, man, let's um let's get to our main topic tonight. All right. Let's, let's so do, speaking of body counts. On with the body count. Did you, did you ever listen to that song when you were a kid? No. Nope. Nope. Oh man. Ice Ice T. Ice T. He had a uh a song called um I think it was I think the song was called Cop Killer now that I think about it. Yeah. The 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 band was body count and the song was cop killer. It was yeah, I grew up in uh North Dakota, very mm. sheltered life, Catholic upbringing. You probably listen to Lawrence. Listen Welk, to many huh? songs called "Body Count." Were you, were you a big Lawrence Welk fan? Did, could you play the accordion at a young age? Hey, I knew <laughs> Lawrence Welk's great great grandson. He was in my class. He lived across the street. I used to play tag with Are him all the time. Me? Not shitting you. <laughs> the Welks across the street. Oh my God, the Finger Lakes. He had a song about the Finger Lakes. That's Which is right. also the place that Hunter Biden had tattooed on his back. Yep. Yeah. But yes, so nice try making fun of Lawrence Welk. I knew his family. <laughs> oh, God. Jokes All right. So you. I'm going to paint a picture for you guys. Come with me to a, a land of, uh, of, of sun, of sand, of surf, a Caribbean paradise. Woo! <laughs> the year is 1975 and a couple of kids in love para newlyweds they take a flight to haiti and they get there they step out onto that beautiful white sand the native population greets them surrounds them welcomes them in and they're just absolutely enchanted they fell in love with the island nation of haiti now these kids they were from arkansas so I don't know they'd seen all that much in the year 1975. I mean, at that time, Hillary Clinton had, uh, I believe she had gotten her college degree. Uh, she was all prepared to be a lawyer. Bill Clinton was well on his way to become a political powerhouse. And they had a power sharing agreement that they had already entered into. So I'm not even certain that they were ever in love at this point. I'm not going to pretend to really know where the Clintons heads were at, but I can understand falling in love with uh, a, an island in the Caribbean. Um, you know, Haiti has had a, a long history of U.S. intervention. I believe that we actually went down there and overthrew the government like back in like 1915. And Haiti was under military rule, U.S. military rule until like the mid 1930s. Um, and so, you know, we had this kind of arrangement going on with them. I don't know what it was that brought Bill and Hillary there specifically, if it was only the fact that they had just gotten married and they needed to go on a um, uh, a honeymoon someplace. But 
when they got there, they just integrated Haiti into themselves and their relationship. Hillary, at a later date, said, we have had a deep connection to and with Haiti ever since. Now, I'm going to paint a, a, a richer picture for you. Uh, why was Haiti such a, an indelible place for the Clintons? I mean, if you look at the history uh, of the of the Clintons and Haiti, it's undeniable that their presence in this island nation and the impact of their presence on the island nation have greatly enriched them. Okay, they've gotten wealthy beyond belief, but for the people of Haiti, they have brought nothing more than despair, <laughs> poverty, uh, and even arsenic-laced rice. So physical. Uh, uh, physical symptoms of the Haiti of the Clintons in Haiti uh, led to people dying and and uh, and being sick. But no way, absolutely yes. And Bill Clinton also single handedly destroyed the rice farming population in Haiti by wow. sub he subsidized rice and he sent it there for free as part of a humanitarian effort. But rice was like the only product they had. So he essentially impoverished them to a much, much greater degree, put everybody out of work. And then he essentially made the island nation of Haiti dependent upon his philanthropic uh, efforts and this rice that would flow down there. Now, I mentioned arsenic laced rice. This was literally rice that had been uh, contaminated with arsenic. And, you know, I, my, my initial thoughts are that here in the United States, that simply wouldn't fly. They would test the rice. They would say, you know, hey, this is poisonous. Okay, it's got arsenic in it. You're going to have to throw it out. You're not going to be able to feed it to the people. But obviously, Haiti, the uh, uh, the regulations are a little bit more lax. And to be quite honest, I mean, you know, because it's an island nation, they're looking for uh, the goodwill of the international community. Because, you know, the, if you take a look at the Dominican Republic, it's a very different place. You know, this is like two halves of the same island. And the Dominican Republic has largely been self-governed. Uh, they have an economy. You know, it's still, you know, impoverished in comparison to a lot of places here in America. But, you know, Haiti is a very, very different situation. So Bill and, ha Bill and Hillary back in 1975, they go on their their honeymoon there. Um, and they, they are now considered to be mo the most unpopular people in Haiti. But at the time, because they were brand new, uh, they were welcomed in. And they, I guess that when they got there, Bill and Hillary witnessed a voodoo ritual being conducted, like live in front of them, where the voodoo priestess actually bit the head off of a live chicken. And I shit what? you not, John, this is what Hillary Clinton talks about when she talks about how she loved Haiti. This is why she fell in love with Haiti, the, the folksy charm, I guess, of a chicken getting its head bit off. What? Yeah, I, I swear to God. I swear to God. <laughs> that's what it was. That's what that's what did it for him. Could you imagine so, like could you imagine biting a chicken's head off? No, no. And I was disgusted that Ozzy Osbourne did it to a bat. That's right. Mm -hmm. Didn't he do it to a dove? Oh, gosh, I don't know. He might have. I mean, he he grossed me out. He always grossed me out. I never paid him much attention. I'm pretty sure it was a dove. It could have. I mean, you want to fact check? We'll, we'll take a moment here. But but you want to fact check, fact check that. So 
so so the bill bill and hillary came there in the mid-70s and it like set up this precedent where they were looking for ways to exploit it i think from the very beginning and when he became president in the 1990s this is when he pushed for sweeping changes to the agricultural sector in haiti and it directly produced a dependence by the entire nation on american food crops so then in 1994, this was three years after there was a military coup in Haiti, Bill ordered a U.S. invasion to overthrow the military junta so that they could restore the dem democratically elected uh, president into power. And then flash, flash forward to 15 years, Bill Clinton becomes the uh, specially appointed United Nations envoy to the country of Haiti. And his job at that time was to help the country develop its private sector and then invigorate the economy. So we talk a lot about what the Clintons did in Haiti from like 2010 on. But before that, Bill Clinton was already working with the United Nations, you know, a fairly large and powerful global organization uh, specifically to try to invigorate the economy. So that gave Bill a lot of access to the movers and shakers in Haiti, also control over a lot of money and a lot of power. He could then decide who he was going to anoint, uh, where money would be going. And when the earthquake happened in 2010, well, that turned it up to 11. So there was uh, January 12th of 2010. That's when a 7.0 magnitude earthquake struck uh just west of the capital back in uh, in Port-au-Prince. Um, the entire nation has 10 million people. As a result of that earthquake, 1.6 million people were immediately displaced. They had no homes. They had nowhere to go. And they had no stable government to organize a rebuilding effort. Uh, they really did not have the material or any of the uh, the, the skill sets really to rebuild and to rebuild correctly. It's also estimated about uh, over 300,000 people died uh, immediately in that earthquake. So, I mean, you can imagine, I mean, it, it was devastating. It was, uh, it was a pretty big blow to Haiti's economy, to, you know, to their, their housing sector, uh, the businesses that were there. And, and, and right where the earthquake hit, this was the most populated area of the country. And, as a result, it was also where like critical infrastructure had already been built and then branch out from there. The The largest port in Haiti was also right there where the earthquake took place. So because Bill has this position as special envoy, um, but this is 2010, so Hillary Clinton is uh, secretary of state yeah. for Obama. All right. Um, and because of her special relationship with Haiti, you know, that gave her access to kind of direct flow as well. So uh, within a couple of days after the earthquake, the, the Clintons basically said, you know, hey, I represent the United Nations. She said, I represent the United States government. So we're going to lead the global effort to bring this relief money into Haiti and we're going to fix this nation. And, you know, Hillary had a really good time telling people how much she loved Haiti. And, you know, this was essentially the reason why she was the right person for the job. Now, as secretary of state, she got the opportunity to oversee $4.4 billion in funds that had already been earmarked by Congress specifically for relief efforts. This was going to be implemented through USAID, 
speaking about the Central Intelligence Agency, uh, USAID is often uh, the uh, the A arm of the CIA that goes into specifically disaster struck areas. Uh, and also foreign lands if uh, you know, there's no other way to get CIA agents in. It, it's the State Department. Um, th well, they, that's how they launder a lot of funds. Like they, they oh, fund so yeah. many different weird ass programs through the USAID. Mm -hmm. And that's how it's it's a form of money laundering. Uh, don't quote me on this. I'm pretty sure Hunter Biden was part of a um, he was part of some like food bank. And I think they were getting USAID funds. Don't quote me on that. But I'm oh, no, that's exactly sure. something USAID would do. Yeah. 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 So. <clears throat> all right. So in the wake of that earthquake, four point four billion dollars, uh, that should have been an immediate infusion of money to allow for uh, reconstruction uh, for, you know, uh, life saving efforts. Obviously, a lot of people were going to be um, injured from the earthquake. I mean, first and foremost, nearly two million people don't have a place to live. All right. These people were living in tents like just in squalid conditions. And to make matters worse, UN relief workers that came as a result of Bill Clinton and his portion of this, they introduced cholera into the country. Cholera didn't exist in Haiti before. You know, obviously there's probably open trenches with people, you know, taking a dump in it and it's getting into the water supply. And uh, and that alone, that killed like at least like another 9000 people. I mean, it, probably many more thousands of people since I found that number, but a lot of people. So uh, this um, all of this money that was raised, hang on, I've got some facts and figures here and I want to get this pulled up. Uh, let me see. OK, so initially, like within the first couple of months after this earthquake took place, um, there was an expose that was done on the efforts that Bill Clinton and Hillary were were leading in Hill in uh, in Haiti. And, um, you know, of course, they also have the the Clinton Foundation, which is leading up another portion of these relief efforts. Try to keep your mind wrapped around how many different sources of funding and how many different governmental and non-governmental agencies are involved in these relief efforts. We're up to at least four right now. And there's going to be more. So in the first couple of weeks after this earthquake, um, Bill Clinton and his, uh, his chief of staff, her name was Laura Graham. She also, um, well, she was chief of staff for him when he was president and she continued to work for him after he left the office of the presidency. So uh, they, she was running the Clinton foundation efforts and uh, you know, immediately after the earthquake, uh, she was quoted as saying, it's a rebuilding process that exceeds anything we've seen in recent times. And it was, okay, but the only problem is that nothing was being rebuilt. Like, I think- Literally nothing? Literally, I think they may have built a handful of shanty homes, and, uh, and I think that they might have repaired one school, something like that. But the people of Haiti, this is why they hate the Clintons so much. It, because of all of the money that went into and through these various agencies and NGOs and how little of it ever made it to mainland Haiti. And some of it might have made it, but it turns out they were all friends of Bill Clinton uh, or they were, you know, corporations. It, it didn't go into the, the large scale effort to rebuild uh, at a base level. And, you know, I mean, that's honestly what it was supposed to go to. So, so where did the money go? 
Well, I've got some accounting for you, um, but a large portion of it is completely unknown. <laughs> it's <laughs> never been accounted for. And uh, and they kind of just do a hand wave every time somebody asks for it. Weird so, how that happens. Yeah, yeah. So it was alleged uh, yeah, like on the pie squared in the chat says James Biden got the same deal in Iraq. That's a great point. Mm -hmm. Great he did. He did. He did. Hillary Clinton's brother, Tony Rodham, he got the rights to a gold mine in Haiti. He was donated 10,000 acres of land and he got the best sweetheart deal anyone in the world has ever gotten to mine gold from uh, from a country. Haiti, it, it, whatever, whatever gold he mined, what he only had to pay a royalty fee. So he like got you're to gonna give me when you die. <laughs> yes, could be, could be. So, <laughs> so he got to he he paid. It was it was like uh, it was some paltry amount. It was like pennies on the dollar of what anybody would expect to pay. He, and he who got donated him land though. Oh, I don't know. A, a, a benefactor, <laughs> mm. friends of Bill, probably friends <laughs> of Bill. Now he, here's the thing: the presence of gold in Haiti had never been found before. Okay, people have been living there for a long time, and there wasn't a history of gold on Haiti. Nobody was digging gold up. It, it just like suddenly Hillary Clinton's brother had this this company that had little to no activity. Uh, they got this land. He set up this gold mining company and miraculously gold starts appearing. Now, you know what happened like right around this time? Hillary Clinton spearheaded the efforts to uh, depose Muammar Gaddafi in Libya. And what Muammar Gaddafi did to kick off the, uh, the, the attack on his nation, the destabilization of Northern Africa, he had plans to open a brand new Libyan central bank that would be owned by the Libyan people and a new currency that was backed by gold. Mm. He also had an infrastructure project that he had been working on for decades to bring water to Northern Africa. And it would have revolutionized the continent, allowing people to farm in areas that had previously been desolate, uh, allowing the soil to become fertile and grow. Muammar Gaddafi uh, was also, in the same way as Putin, uh, kind of presented as some sort of despot and uh, and a madman. But he had been the glue that held that region together for a very long time. And what you're saying is it would have been a good time for somebody to get into the gold mining business. Absolutely, because Hillary Clinton, came. we came, we saw, he died. He never heard anything about that gold ever again that Muammar Gaddafi had. It just disappeared. But then suddenly the, the Clintons, the Rodhams under Clinton. Whoa, whoa, oh, okay. Hold on. So I, I was I was misinterpreting you. I thought you were saying like you want to get into the gold mining business because we're about to have a leader who's going to have a gold backed currency. That makes sense. But now what you're saying is he was killed, the gold disappeared, and then all of a sudden he supposedly owns a gold mining or a gold mine and just starts pulling out gold. Absolutely. That's so exactly that's how they my laundered point. laundered the gold. That is, yes, it is laundered Libyan gold. That's allegedly, in my opinion, my theory, but I think, Interesting. It, I think it holds I think it holds weight. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. 
Okay, so so in the on the one year anniversary of the um of the earthquake. Now, mind you, billions of dollars have already been raised. Okay, lots of money's been raised. The Clinton Foundation has got boots on the ground. Uh, his uh, Bill Clinton's former chief of staff, Laura Graham, she's working twelve hour days. Seventy uh, percent of her time uh, of every single day is devoted to the rebuilding efforts here in Haiti. Uh, she is traveling to and from the island nation multiple day, multiple times a month, two to three times a month. Uh, she is coordinating with people on the ground. Uh, she's working with the Office of the United Nations Special Envoy to Haiti. Uh, she is also uh, working with the executive director of Haiti's Government Recovery Commission. Uh, you know, the pieces are there. I don't believe All it. Of the pieces nobody are there. in They're... government works that hard. <laughs> Well, she's working for the Clinton Foundation, so she's not in government. But either way, I, what I'm I'm insinuating that maybe she didn't go there as often as she said. No. <laughs> okay, because now, because all of this stuff was supposedly happening. Um, she said we're moving as quickly as possible, but it's never quick enough because of the because the because of the face of the tragedy you're dealing with. And of course, this is a puff piece that they put out to to kind of you know show the world that the Clinton Foundation and Bill and Hillary through their own separate uh, entities, they're, they're working hard. Okay. We're doing everything we can to get the people of Haiti, you know, back in their homes, uh, get water flowing, get electricity moving. However, people are starting to take notice because as I mentioned, billions of dollars have been raised. Um, here we are March of 2010. This is what three months after the earthquake took place, um, Bill and Hillary held an international conference, Bill representing the United Nations, Hillary representing the State Department. They put together the International Donors Conference towards a new future for Haiti. And in one fell swoop, they raised nearly $10 billion. What? Let's try again. Oh my gosh. Why are I didn't say anything to you? Stop. <laughs> <laughs> CA tuned in. That's right. Yeah. So there were ten billion dollars. Ten billion dollars. Fifty-nine donors. Five point two six billion dollars of that ten billion dollars was exclusively for the financing of specific projects for a national action plan. Well, this hold, exceed <laughs> $10 billion from 59 donors? Yeah, these are like the richest people in the world. And mind you, I mean, do you remember, John, like if you watch television or, you know, you On saw the TV. anything? Yeah, there was constantly ads like donate to Haiti, you yeah. know, because we they need us. You know, we have it so good. Let's make sure that these kids can go to school. Never happened. Okay. they I don't know where any of that money went. I, there is absolutely no accounting for any efforts. This is the best accounting we're going to get from this one source of the United Nations, nearly $10 billion, $9.9 billion. So they only they, they only said that they needed $4 billion over the next 18 months. So they raised five and a quarter billion more than what they planned to. And these funds were then going to be managed by a, uh, a multi-donor reconstruction fund specifically for Haiti. And the uh, commission was headed up by, of course, Bill Clinton, uh, course. the United Nations Special Envoy for Haiti. 
and he would be working alongside the prime minister of Haiti at that point, who was uh, Jean-Max Belrive. So there were 140 countries that showed up to this event. Uh, and you had people from, you know, all different levels of government. You had representatives of the World Bank, representatives of the IMF. Uh, it was totally organized by the UN and the United States. So de facto, it was organized by the Clintons. Uh, but it was in cooperation with the government of Haiti. And it also had the support, most likely financial, of Brazil, Canada, the European Union, France, and Spain. So quite literally, I mean, this was a global effort to put as much money into Haiti as possible. So $10 billion in one single day within two months of the earthquake, all right? And again, that money never actually made it. Um, here is an accounting of the disaster relief and charities that had raised money for Haiti uh, one year after the earthquake took place. So this would have been February of 2011. All right, so uh, the Red Cross, they raised $479 million. Um, a little less than half of that actually was spent, uh, about $245 million. This is pretty much average for every single one of these charities and these organizations. Some of them were a little bit worse. Another group called AmeriCares, they raised $16.2 million. They spent $4.8 uh, another agency called Care, 45 million, 23.2. It goes on. Catholic Relief Services, Direct Relief International, Doctors Without Borders, Feed the Children, Food for the Poor, Habitat for Humanity International, uh, Heifer International, International Federation of the Red Cross. They raised um they raised 1.14 billion and they spent 280 million. Um, International Medical Corps, uh, International Rescue Commission Committee, Islamic Relief USA, Mercy Corps, Oxfam, Partners in Health, PSI, Salvation Army, Save the Children, UNICEF, United Method Methodist Committee on Relief, United Way, World Food Program, World Vision, and something called Yele. Now, a couple of these didn't even bother to report. Uh, the World Food Program, they raised $461 million. No accounting for the money they spent. Uh, that that uh, organization, Yelly, $13.9 million. No idea on how much they spent. Now, these are the other ones uh, that, uh, that are included, and this includes uh, the Clinton name. The American Jewish World Services. They raised $6.5 million, and they spent $1.4. Uh, Child Fund International. They raised $1.5 million, and they spent $0.6. Now, this next organization is not the Clinton Foundation. It's a separate fund that was set up exclusively by former President Bill Clinton and former President George W. Bush. It's called the Clinton-Bush Haiti Fund. They raised $52 million on their own in the first year, and they spent 20. Now, the Clinton-Bush Haiti Fund, yes, exactly. The Clinton-Bush Haiti Fund was a fund that was dedicated to the um, support of small and local businesses. Um, however, that like, money like did rice not. Farmers. Well, no, definitely not rice farmers. <laughs> <laughs> it should have been, but no, they all the rice farmers were out of business by this point. Um, so the idea was to pump this money through grants into the local community 
which would then allow people to create the economy that was necessary to keep the country running again. That definitely didn't happen, though. Uh, the money ended up going, like I said, to friends of Bill Clinton uh, and companies that ended up somehow being financially tied uh, to the Clintons at the end of the day. How much uh, government money went well, to Haiti? Haiti, uh, I, I don't know, to be quite honest with you. I mean, uh, we know that the Clinton Foundation itself, uh, they ended up raising somewhere around $13 billion, uh, if I'm not mistaken. And but that like was tax dollars, though. You know what I'm saying? Like, how, how oh, much tax dollars? I really can't tell you. I really can't tell you. I mean, and this is the thing, because there is no clear cut accounting on this money. We have some organizations who, you know, say, hey, you know, we raised this much money. We spent this much money. But, you know, I haven't been able to find any specific accounting of how much money just the United States gave them or anybody else. Now, don't we, we st I know we still pay them money like we still oh, give. We're, we're giving them money all the time. Yeah. Uh, uh, probably hundreds of millions of dollars every year, just like we do to everybody else all over the world. Let me see. Um, How much you, money did I mean, th this is where when it comes to like giving money to other countries. If people want to donate to a foundation, however shady the foundation is, that's on you. Like, if you want to give money to a foundation and they're going to spend it or not spend it or whatever, that's on them. I just don't want to see any tax dollars. It's like the war in Ukraine. Like, I don't want to spend any tax dollars on the war in Ukraine. But if people want to support that effort, they can do it through a charity and not all the money's going to get there, whatever. But, yeah, I mean, this is shady. Like, if, if I found out I donated money and half of it disappeared or more... I'd be asking some serious questions like, what the hell did you do with my money? Absolutely. D donor um, intent is a big thing. It is a huge thing. So if we skip forward five years, there was uh, roughly $13.5 billion that was raised and collected by these various agencies, uh, the UN and Bill Clinton, Hillary Clinton and the State Department, and then their collective efforts under the Clinton Foundation uh, siphoned off a lot of that money. $13.5 billion at the five-year mark was unaccounted for. Um, I can't find anything saying how much money Americans alone raised through the text message campaign, but you know, clearly tens of millions of dollars came in from the American people. Um, governments across the world were giving billions of dollars. But at five years on, uh, it looked basically like the earthquake had happened the day before. You still had roughly 85,000 people who were living in these these uh, settlement camps, basically tent cities uh, on Haiti. And uh, the, uh, the, the, the public and the private funding that was put into the country literally had no effect. And that's more than likely because that money never actually made it to Haiti. It ended up being siphoned off uh, and enriching individuals like the Clintons and uh, the people that they were close with. But uh, poverty, disease, homelessness, uh, plague. I mean, like the list goes on and on. I mean, the country was devastated after it. Um, we had uh, we also had people taking advantage of the situation by stealing children. I'll get into that piece specifically in a moment because it also connects to Hillary Clinton and the Clinton Jeez. Foundation. But 95% uh, of the 1.5 million people uh, who were living in camps in 2010 have been moved, but the majority of them 
were still not in permanent housings. You had about 200,000 people who were living in brand new hillside slums. So still not the kind of safe housing that they were promised. Uh, but those slums did not have any running water. They didn't have electricity. They didn't have any sanitation. Uh, and they're pretty much made out of wood, like pallet houses and stuff like that. And again, you had this huge disbursement of donor money, uh, but absolutely no accounting for where it actually went. Um, here, I think. Okay, so Americans. Okay, here we go. Americans, individuals, gave $1.4 billion to the relief. And of that $1.4 billion, $32 million came in from the in the form of the $10 text messages that people were sending to the American Red Cross. Um, and, uh, the 13.34 billion, uh, that's tallied up by the United Nations. Uh, that was earmarked through 2020. And at two years after the, the quake had happened, less than half of that amount had actually been released. So UN documents show that the U S government has allocated 4 billion, 3 billion had already been spent. And the rest is dedicated to long-term projects. What are those long-term projects? Well, you don't really know. They, we have they, to, we they have to wait even... a while to find out. <laughs> it's, it's, they like surprises. Hey, term, Nothing happens overnight. Yeah, Needed to so, define long-term. You know what they should have been investing in, honestly, is like some sort of medical emergency kits like you can get from the wellness company. Sorry, I had, to, I had to find a segue to fit these in, man. So give me a second you to go get to our it. next sponsor. Life is unpredictable, guys. If we've learned anything these last four years or from the Haiti crisis, it's that. And while we can't possibly predict everything that might be thrown at us, we can prepare for it. Introducing two new emergency kits from the wellness company. The first aid emergency kit for everything from sports activities to camping trips. Compact and convenient, this kit contains critical prescription medications and supplies that everyone should have on hand. The travel emergency kit is specific, uh, specially designed for life on the go, compact, lightweight, and loaded with essentials for any adventure. Whether it's a road trip, a hike, or just the unpredictability of daily life, you will be ready. Next Level Readiness is at your fingertips with the emergency kits from the wellness company. Stay one step ahead to have peace of mind for the unpredictable. Go to badlandsmedia.tv slash TWC. Use promo code BADLANDS for an exclusive 10% discount. That's badlandsmedia.twc. Promo code Badlands. All right, back to program. So uh, from the best thing they can tell, uh, analysts looking at it, you know, kind of picking over the corpse at the end of the day, say that the, the vast majority of the money that was supposed to be used for reconstruction and relief efforts um, pretty much got funneled into foreign contractors instead of going to the Haitian government or to local outfits. So kind of the same way that contractors here in the United States or in the Middle East, they'll charge like $250,000 for a hammer or something like that. <laughs> and then the U.S. government just writes a check. I think that's basically what happened. So the, uh, the, the programs didn't have any oversight, you know, I mean, and, and I'm sure a lot of that money was getting kicked back to the Clintons as well. And the American companies that were being hired to offer these services to the Haitians, uh, they had uh, complicated, uh, overly complicated uh, structures and everything was opaque. This is kind of 
um, I guess, uh, uh, the run of the mill. Uh, 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 this is the way the Clintons did it always. There, there was this opaque nature to it. Nobody let gets to see inside. All they do is they go and, uh, and, and they give a speech or they say, you know, we're helping Haiti and nothing really was ever unraveled until Hillary Clinton's emails came out. And when the emails came out, it really exposed uh, a lot of what was happening there. Now, in in trying to seek out what the Clinton Bush Fund actually did, um, I did find a $45 million Haiti hotel deal in 2011, in November 2011, uh, close to two years after the earthquake that Bill Clinton's charitable foundation, the Clinton Bush initiative uh, was able to put together. Um, this $45 million hotel was designed with, uh, I guess, I, I don't know how many rooms it was meant to hold, but uh, Port-au-Prince Port only had 500 hotel rooms available in the entire city. And in order for aid workers to come there, the idea was that we need to have a space for them. And, you know, hopefully in the future, when Haiti is a tourist destination again, then this uh, this hotel will be there to, to service them. So uh, there was also uh, the deal was put together with a Caribbean cellular phone company, Digicel. So obviously it's, you know, they've, they've already got money. This is already a, a pretty big company. Uh, this would, I'm sorry, this was going to create 173 new rooms and 175 new jobs. And uh, construction was set to begin in 2012. Now, uh, I, I would say clearly Bill Clinton must have had some sort of relationship with this hotel uh, in order for it to get done. Because when we look at the emails that were released, uh, we find that, uh, oh, let's Please, see. These are from WikiLeaks. Yes, yes. And uh, that that it was often the the people who got preference were President Clinton's friends. And it wasn't based upon what was good or necessary for the people of Haiti. There was um, uh, an official by the name of uh, Caitlin Klavorik. She was uh, one of Secretary of State Clinton's senior aides. So while she's working for the U.S. government as an aide for Hillary Clinton, she was also managing Clinton Foundation contacts, and she was kind of putting people together. If they were looking to get assistance, like through the State Department, working with the Clinton Foundation, she basically like managed these two streams to put everything together. So you're saying so, if like a big donor came through to the Clinton Foundation, they might get easier access to State Department Clinton. Or if they were looking to do business in Haiti and perhaps they wanted the contract, uh, then, yes, they would go through Caitlin. And then at a later date, they would undoubtedly become a donor of the Clinton Foundation. Hmm. So, yes, it was like, you know, like two that hands not, of the same same that body. Does not sound like it would be legal. No, you wouldn't think so. But, you know, apparently that stuff doesn't matter anymore. I mean, no that is a crime. People should be arrested. No reasonable prosecutor. <laughs> <laughs> so so Caitlin in, in a bunch of these emails, uh, she was found to uh, be making reference to friends of WJC or FOB. So friends of William Jefferson Clinton uh, or friend of Bill. And she would then base the further communications upon this. 
there was a person who was emailing simply to offer medical supplies in the wake of the earthquake. And she wanted to make sure that he was a friend of Bill Clinton before she allowed this person to donate the medical supplies. What? Like how, how messed up is that? Like, because of course, all of the friends of Bill Clinton and Hillary, you know, they're going to look like saints in the wake of, you know, helping out these destitute Haitians. It's gotta be the right people that get the credit for it. Right. Is that why, is that the, that's there's gotta true. be more, there's gotta be more to it than that. No, that's a true story. That's a true story. It's, it's just based story. for the credit. It's gotta be, well, there's I mean, gotta be more than that. What else are they going to get? If they're just looking to donate, I mean, sure, maybe they're going to get a tax write-off because they're donating these medical supplies. I mean, undoubtedly, if it's a charitable donation, then they're going to be able to write it off. Maybe there was something else to it. Maybe the, the business, more was, shady. business was struggling. Maybe they were going to pay, pay too much on their taxes that, that year, and they wanted to make sure that they were able to write it down. Maybe the the the, the first aid kits are worth $2 a piece, but they bill them out on the charitable receipt at $25 a piece. Then they get a significant tax write-off in that respect. I mean, th there's probably, there's got to be more to it, of course. Um, yeah. Now, you know about um, Dennis O'Brien? He was a, a billionaire donor to the Clinton Foundation. I'm familiar with the name, yeah. Yeah, the name is, has come up before. And then, of course, Doug Band, he was uh, an aide to Bill Clinton uh, at the Clinton Foundation. Um, there. They were involved in this as well, helping to get supplies into Haiti and then also to get employees of a, another Clinton Foundation donor uh, out of the country. I don't know what they were doing there in the first place, but there was a uh, this Haitian telecom firm, Digicel, that Bill Clinton worked out the, uh, the hotel deal with. They were also involved in moving people to and from the mainland and the island. Um, now, the guy who owned Digicel, now, I mentioned he was likely a friend of Bill Clinton back in 2012 when he got this $45 million deal with Clinton to build the hotel. He referred to himself in the emails as WJC VIP. Um, that was his email name. <laughs> and um, he created a new email just for that. <laughs> yes, I guess so. And the subject was friend of Clinton's. So just in case there was any confusion, he wanted to make sure that he shot to the top of the lift the list. And uh, there was an email that O'Brien wrote to Doug Band, uh, and he said that he was not making any progress through conventional channels. Please get on this, meaning that there, the, he's, he's, he's running into roadblocks trying to do it the correct way. So we just need to get him straight to WJC or to the top of the list uh, or some of the wow. other stuff. But these, these offers for charity often were tied to lucrative government contracts, it was all being paid for through that $13.5 billion that I mentioned that was earmarked for recovery efforts. And Bill Clinton's friends got precedence every single time. And, uh, you know, it, it's just, it's obvious when you go through the emails. Um, there was also something that, that came out from the emails that were revealed as well. I mean, besides John Podesta being uh, allegedly, in my opinion, a pedophile. Uh, involved in some really heinous things, allegedly, in my opinion. But you can, we'll do that on a totally different episode, guys. I have yeah. the, I have the 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 biggest best PizzaGate show all lined up. That's what we're going to do next week. Just putting you on notice. Um, so there was a there was another organization um, that was an off the books offshoot of the Clinton Foundation, 
And it was completely unknown. And it only came out as a result of the Podesta emails being hacked. It was uh, a fund that was known as the Haiti Development Fund. This was a limited liability corporation. It was created in Delaware in August of 2010. Okay, so obviously, you know, eight months after the earthquake. And it was created by the Clinton Foundation with an endowment of $20 million from Frank Justra. Do you remember Frank Justra? Sounds like, yep, G-I-U. Yep. Yeah, GIU. He was a, a, a Canadian mining mogul, and he was also yep. a large donor to the Clinton Foundation. Wasn't also, he the one who like partially owned? Was it? Um, was it? He had something to do with the Uranium One deal. He did. He definitely did. Yes. Yeah, I remember researching yeah. that guy. Yeah, Frank Justra, definitely. Um, the other part of that endowment was paid for by Carlos Slim. Uh, oh yeah, the billionaire Mexican. Uh, telephone magnet. So they funded the startup cash for this Haiti development fund. And because it's a, a private entity and it's not a nonprofit, they do not have to have the same reporting rules as a public charity would, like the Clinton Foundation. And because the Clinton Foundation never told anybody that it existed, because in all of their years, well, let's be frank, for the majority of those years in between the earthquake and when they got busted for not filing their taxes, they didn't file a lot of paperwork. It was real loosey-goosey. And, and you should expect that because they basically had the same reporting rules for themselves as they did to the people of Haiti. <laughs> they didn't bother to keep track of much of it. So they were supposed to, because they owned it, they were supposed to include it on their taxes as a related entity. That is uh, rules of the IRS. Yeah. And of course, you know, no reasonable prosecutor would uh, go after Hillary Clinton or Bill or the Clinton Foundation for do, their. Do we do we know for sure that they own that entity? We know absolutely sure with 100 percent accuracy. Yes. OK, so I know like when you um when you create an LLC, if you use a uh, an agent or whatever, mm -hmm. you don't have to put your name on it. So technically. I don't know. Like Delaware, I'm no, a I'm, lot of people start LLCs in Delaware because you can do shady shit there. Exactly. I am certain that they started it with a registered agent. The reason we know that this was a property of the Clinton Foundation is because it was explicitly discussed in the emails that gotcha. were revealed from the WikiLeaks. Crazy. So um, they only started claiming it on their taxes after they began to get a little bit more scrutiny. And then also the media kind of came down on them. So that's when they decided to voluntarily refile uh, that five years of tax returns uh, in 2015. So from 2010 to 2015, they refile. All of a sudden, this entity now shows up on their taxes. Jeez. Um, so the fund they didn't pay taxes on it for five years, though. Yeah, they just didn't. They pretended it didn't exist. Holy <laughs> shit. Yeah, but then they voluntarily refiled and they said, oops, we had some accounting errors. <laughs> Can I do that with Badlands? Just be like, whoops. Oh, God. Yeah, we, we there would probably be an, a more than reasonable prosecutor that would uh, have no problem coming after us if we it's were. It's so stupid. That. I got a call the other day from our accountant. Actually, we were talking about this. I was like, do I do I have to pay? Like, if I pay quarterly... Like what? What will it be more expensive? Obviously, it will be more expensive if I don't pay quarterly taxes or whatever. Yeah. 
Yeah. But what do you think the odds are that the economy will crash by the time I have to pay my taxes? And then maybe nobody has, you know, it's like, God, I hate doing this shit. But yeah, if I would have known, <laughs> if I would have known, I just name it the Haiti Development Fund. I didn't have to pay. <laughs> Badlands Media owned by the Haiti Development Corporation. <laughs> Okay, so so listen to this. Listen to some more illegal stuff. Uh, the, the, the fund was managed uh, by a man by the name of Jean-Marc Vallain. Uh, He was actually going through a bankruptcy in 2010 while he was working for the Clinton Foundation. And they paid him an annual salary of $100,000 just to oversee this Haiti Development Fund. And these pay records were actually revealed in John Podesta's emails. So the Florida Elections Commission found that Villain had violated state laws in 2001 when he did not file donation reports for the Haiti American Political Caucus, which was a political committee where he was listed as a treasurer. Uh, and obviously, because of all of the various financial irregularities taking place surrounding the people who are running these various arms of the Clinton Foundation, uh, the Clinton Foundation itself, a lot of people you know, have demanded that investigations take place and something did kind of take place, but then absolutely nothing uh, ever came of it. So I'm really hoping like, you know, against hope that uh, we're going to see something be done about all of this stuff when President Trump, when Pre President Trump comes back into office. Um, there is uh, a, a, a whole bunch of other stuff. Um, the Haiti Fund ended up funding some Haitian entrepreneurs. Uh, they did have a press release in, at one time stating that they were given $415,000 to a group of uh, artisans in the Caribbean country. Uh, and they show that they paid $307,000 going into the fund itself. Um, Valaine ended up siphoning off a fair amount of money from it. and the based upon their tax returns it's not clear whether or not any of the cash they ever paid in actually made it to any of the projects that they ever intended for Jean-Marc Vallain to oversee and of course they did not make any comments on it Vallain never made any comments on it it's all kind of just gone away so stupid. um yes yes and so long and the short of it is that 13.5 billion dollars went into this country. Uh, none of it essentially ever made its way to the Haitian people. Uh, and as a result, uh, the Clintons developed a pretty piss poor reputation in Haiti. Um, let me actually, I, I did find something fairly interesting while Hillary was secretary of state. Um, hang on. Oh, 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 yeah. Oh, also the, the Clinton Bush Haiti fund that I had mentioned earlier. Um, somebody started looking into it in a, like a year after it was formed. And uh, the New York Daily News actually published uh, an op-ed um, suggesting that perhaps nothing was happening. <laughs> this was just another money siphoning operation. And um, the fund itself, a day after this article was written, they put out uh, a press release kind of, you know, kind of refuting the points of it. And they had advertised themselves as uh, a fund where 100% of the donations go directly to relief efforts. I suppose that you they must have had a very uh, fuzzy definition of what 
relief that, efforts that meant because yeah. you know a lot of people would expect relief efforts you know to be directly assisting the earthquake victims like the people 1.6 million people who didn't have homes uh you know or the people that were living in the tent cities waiting for the next hurricane to come and uh, blow them off the island but none of that absolutely none of that happened um and and it wasn't meant for long-term development but that's apparently what the fund ended up doing and within a year after they were kind of exposed and it was also revealed that they had only spent you know roughly a third of the money they had taken in I'm sure that the other two thirds went to the salaries of the people who That's were running nuts. the fund. Yeah. For that much uh, they, money. Yeah. They they ended up just closing the fund and rolling whatever dollars they had left into another money siphoning operation. Insane. And Haiti, like, as far as I understand it, they're still like in turmoil. They, they absolutely, they had that, uh, the president they had was assassinated not long ago. Sure. Like, yeah, Joyzel Manov or something like that. Yeah, I don't think they have a president currently. Even I th I'm they, pretty sure they still don't. They 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 have somebody who was like the interim who basically took over after this guy. I want to say that he was like, uh, maybe he had previously held elected office, and uh, I don't think they've had democratic elections since the uh, assassination took place. This is I also this is honestly. I had started thinking of a show that we could do on Haiti because like that assassination plot roped in like 122 people, including the widow of the now uh, assassinated political the, leader. The one who got hospitalized or whatever. The the widow of the. Uh, yeah, I mean, she was in the house. She got shot in the leg. Yeah. But she is alleged to be a part of this plot to kill him and no to put way. her into the office of the presidency. It also includes uh, a, a number of people who lived in the United States. They were staying down here in Florida. I mean, I don't even know what to believe, John, because there were a number of investigations that were done. And it seemed like every time it was like the Spider-Man meme, like everybody's pointing at everybody else saying like, you know, you killed him so that you could take power. No, you killed him so you could take power. And now, like, I guess the guy who is essentially in control of the investigation he was a political enemy of sorts of uh, Jovenel Moy. killed him. Exactly. Maybe he did it. And so now they, they're wrapping his 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 widow up in it and blaming her for the death so that they could just take care of anybody who might possibly be a threat to them in the future. I, I don't know. Honestly, it's so convoluted. I don't know who to believe uh, or what actually happened. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. That's wild, man. But. All right, so I think that I should I should get to the point of the story where it it brings in a couple of people who died as a result of this. So, first of all, uh, there was a Clinton Foundation whistleblower. Um, he was a man named uh, Klaus Eberwein. He was a, a former Haitian government official, and he had been expected to testify. Uh, against the Clinton Foundation in hearings that were taking place in the U.S. Congress. There was uh, an investigation that was being done around the same time when uh, the guys who uncovered all of the tax stuff uh, had had testified and, you know, talked about all of this. Shout um, out to the Clinton Foundation. <laughs> shout out to the Clinton Foundation. <laughs> yeah, both, of the, the Clinton Foundation. both of them were actually shouting out the Clinton Foundation whistleblowers, but obviously we clipped it short of that. And uh, right. Yeah, they have a Twitter account. 
Yeah, I know. Yeah, I, I've uh, I've reached out to them before, but I don't think they read their DMs. I've never gotten in touch with them. I would love to have them on the show. I've wanted to interview them for years. But um, this guy, Klaus Eberwein, he was found with a, a gunshot wound to the head. and The whistleblower. Was, yes, yes. He was just about to testify, and then he decided to kill himself instead. Allegedly. Not what? in my opinion. Yeah. So he was he was uh, registered as a uh, as a suicide. And um, right before his death, I guess that it's alleged he had acknowledged that his life was in danger because he was an outspoken critic of the criminal activities that the Clinton Foundation were involved in in his home country of Haiti. He was a, a, a fairly vocal critic, uh, not only of the Clinton Foundation's efforts in Haiti, but just in the Caribbean in general. Uh, he was the director general of the Haitian government's economic development agency, uh, and he served for three years. This is a direct quote from him. The Clinton Foundation, they are criminals. They are thieves. They are liars. They are a disgrace. He actually said that at a protest outside of the Clinton Foundation headquarters uh, in Manhattan in 2016. And what do you was remember his name again? Sorry, Klaus Eberwein. Do you remember when President Trump mentioned that the Haitians hated Clinton and, you know, they were outside protesting? I mean, this was the actual protest that I think they were talking about. It was ongoing. It was happening for a long time because by 2015, 2016, everybody was like, where the hell's the money? Why has nothing been done? And uh, people were starting to speak up. And so that got the attention from Congress, the Clinton Foundation whistleblowers. They did their investigations. They did the forensic taxes. They figured out that you know, all of this money had just been glossed over and uh, that definitely uh, there was corruption. There was criminality. So he had been due to appear uh, before the Haitian Senate Ethics and Anti-Corruption Commission. And everybody expected him to testify that the Clinton Foundation had misappropriated money from the earthquake donations uh, and from international donors. Uh, but then he suicided himself. So listen to this. Not only was he about to testify, but he also had a family, right? He was, he was 50 years old. He had a family. He told acquaintances that he feared for his life because he was a critic of the Clinton Foundation. Uh, close friends and business partners were totally taken aback. Do not believe that he committed suicide. Uh, a friend of his by the name of Gilbert Bailey said, it's really shocking. We grew up together. He was like family. Now, he was also not immune from allegations. And this may be that Spider-Man meme all over again, because while he was working in the government at this, uh, 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 at the agency that he was at, uh, he was accused of allegations of fraud and corruption. And uh, I think that it was largely because he was drawing attention to the way that the agency itself had been administering funds before that. So sounds like he came in he saw just all of this mismanagement and recognized that money had been siphoned off by the Clintons and he tried to say something about it. And uh, and then he started speaking up about the Clinton Foundation. So according to Eberwein, 0.6% of donations that were granted by international donors to the Clinton Foundation <laughs> with, the, with the express purpose of directly assisting Haitians actually ended up in the hands of Haitian organizations. 9.6% ended up with the Haitian government. The remaining 89.8% or $5.4 billion was funneled 
to non-Haitian organizations, those foreign contractors that I mentioned earlier. Wow. So before he had an opportunity to testify, he was taken out. Now, I mentioned Klaus Eberwein because it leads us to the man who started this conversation with Angie and her husband. Because Eberwein wasn't the... Go ahead. Can I just make a point quick? Like, yeah, yeah. I used to fundraise. Like, I, I fundraised for a Catholic school system here in town, building this a brand new high school. It was a 40-some million dollar project. We We couldn't afford, like, a team. We had... The school staff, they got paid by the school. There was only three of us fundraising that got paid by the, the campaign. And like the the amount of scrutiny we had to go through by people and like just proving the money was spent where it was spent. Yep. It was it, it was almost like that was half the damn job is like proving donor intent and shit. I, I don't understand how these people can get away with that. 0.6% went to where the donors intended to go. Yes. That is asinine. <laughs> Just over half a percent, yeah. So, unbelievable. So in um, in 2010, um, well, I'm sorry. There was another individual. This is Dr. Dean Lorich, and as I was telling you before the show, Dean was uh, a, a master surgeon. He was uh, a humanitarian. Um, he and his team went to Haiti with the express purpose of working to, you know, heal children. They thought that they were going to find kids with, you know, arms that and legs that had been uh, essentially severed in the, uh, in the earthquake with buildings falling down on them. Um, and in the wake of going to Haiti, he found just a, a total mismanagement of everything. He was written about in the New York times he ended up writing an op-ed for CNN at this time, and he was very critical of the disaster relief efforts. So he and his team uh, performed amputations on children in the wake of the earthquake, and there were no infrastructure. There was no hospitals. There were no tools. There was no medicine, okay? And remember, Immediately following this earthquake, they had billions of dollars that had already been fundraised. They had to perform amputations with hacksaws. Hacksaws, just whatever they had around. Uh, they used vodka to sterilize the wounds and the, the tools that they were using. Uh, they had no general anesthesia. They couldn't put people to sleep. Th this is like Civil War style amputations that were taking place. Um, they had to jury rig tourniquets out of rubber gloves that they tied together into a string. And they basically were working around the clock because they were building their own operating rooms. Uh, they had to cut limbs off. They thought they were going to be able to save people, that they would have facilities. They didn't. Uh, and uh, and it was really difficult for uh, Dr. Lorich and for his team. So when he came back, he wrote this well, first of all, he won a humanitarian award, uh, the 2010 Roger E. Joseph Prize for Humanitarian Efforts, because he went to he went to Haiti, gave it his all, and uh, and he did whatever he could to help the people of Haiti. So he came back from Haiti and he wrote this uh, this article uh, for CNN. Hang on, where is it? Uh, 
All right. So this is a really old article. It came out in January of uh, of 2010. So he, it was like right after. He might have. I guess he might have even written it while he was there. I'm not certain um, how how long he was there. But so he he directly criticizes the mismanagement of funds and the efforts on the ground. And eventually, he wrote an email to Hillary Clinton directly. He sent it off, and it actually was received by Cheryl Mills. And uh, and he says in his email, let me get to it. Okay. Um, all right. So he's emailing Christopher Bourne. I'm not sure who Christopher Bourne is, but Jason's brother. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. He 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 talks about the tools that he had, the the things that he had to do. Obviously, I mentioned that they were chopping limbs off with hacksaws and stuff. Um, and, uh, and essentially that, you know, this is completely unacceptable. I mean, it, it shouldn't have been like this. So Cheryl Mills gets sent this email. She forwards it on directly to Hillary Clinton. And, uh, oh, I'm sorry, I guess it got sent to Cheryl through like a, a string of people and everybody is like, you know, Hey, doctor friend of mine sent this. It's a pretty gr grim snapshot, uh, from a group of doctors who were on the ground. They returned from Haiti last week. And uh, they basically, he says, I'm reluctant to send this to you because I know how hard you and many people have been working to relieve suffering. And you know that others are working around the clock. Nonetheless, I thought you might be interested in their impressions. So I'm sending it over. And then Cheryl Mills did the exact same thing. She sent it on to Hillary Clinton. This came out in the WikiLeaks. Uh, and Dr. Dean Lorich was directly named. Um, so 2017 rolls around. He has been a vocal critic of the Clinton Foundation since that time. I guess he actually tried to confront Hillary Clinton in person one time. And, you know, because this is now a new administration, President Trump is in office. Maybe he was talking to other people. We're not certain. OK, they're, they're, this is a tenuous connection to Hillary Clinton, but it is still a direct criticism of Hillary Clinton and uh, the way that everything was handled. So listen to the way he died. He was at home alone with his 11-year-old daughter. His wife and his other child were out shopping or something like that. And they claim that he killed himself by stabbing himself multiple times in the chest. Which is stabbed, stabbed himself multiple times in the chest, in the heart. Yeah. Yeah. Stabbed himself. Now, his daughter didn't hear anything and she was in the next room. She walked into the room, found her dad bleeding out a knife in his chest. I don't know how long he had been dead. I, I don't know. But it was immediately ruled a suicide. Now, Dean was a hero. Okay, he was a prominent surgeon. He was right there in Manhattan. He had a family. He had every reason to live. And it seemed like everything was going for him. Now, the one thing he didn't have going for him is that he was being sued by an NFL player who claimed that he had botched an operation. And uh, he had like some sort of um, medical implant that was put into his foot. It was trying to save his ankle. The bone deteriorated. They blamed it on Dean. And because of his death, the lawsuit was successful and uh, it was ruled that his estate owed this NFL player $28.5 million. So maybe 
the NFL player had something to do with it. Allegedly, not in my opinion. I'm just posing it as a possibility. Um, because of all the ways to suicide yourself, stabbing yourself in the heart multiple times. I mean, I could see it doing once, like doing it once. Okay. Like that's how you want to kill yourself, but like repeatedly doing it just seems impossible. Yeah. Impossible. No, absolutely. It sounds just as, uh, as unlikely as hanging yourself with a scarf on a doorknob. Yeah. Well, red scarf, I could see that, but any other kind of scarf probably. <laughs> so he was found dead in the bathroom by his 11 year old daughter. Uh, and, uh, he was he was known as a prominent critic as well of the Clinton Foundation. Um, and uh, Dean, while he was working overseas, uh, he discovered that not only was the medical treatment promised by the Clinton Foundation nowhere near where it should have been, because specifically for his efforts, 30 million dollars was allegedly raised. Now, if only a, a 0.6 of a percent of that actually went into the efforts, it makes sense that. Dean was having to cut kids' arms and legs off with a hacksaw. I don't even know if they were new hacksaws or if they were just, you know, what people had laying around. But uh, he, he is... Can you imagine? Oh No, I can't. No, no. I, I Considering the fact that his daughter didn't hear anything, I tend to believe that someone must have, like, drugged him or subdued him, maybe chloroformed him, and he passed out. And then while he was, you know, asleep, he was stabbed... In the heart, he bled out, and that oh, was I, it. I was thinking, like, could you imagine having to, like, amputate with a hacksaw? Like, No. I've built no. a clubhouse before, and I used a hacksaw for most of the sign I did. And after, like, one use of that thing, it makes – it's it's it gets very difficult. Like, as soon as that, that blade dulls down, you're effed. And so I just can't imagine, like, if they had to use – if they didn't have a whole bunch of tools or whatever, having to – amputate with potentially like dull hacksaws I, ugh, horrible absolutely just you know grotesque i mean especially in the you know 21st century i mean come on so mm. so yeah so his his communications got to hillary he was upset and uh i guess that he never shut up about it because it you know it, it was quite the experience definitely um so the cnn piece that he wrote was called doctors Haiti medical situation, shameful. And he directly called out the fact that they didn't have what they needed. He said, once we arrived, we saw a severely damaged hospital with no running water, only limited electrical power. It was supplied by a generator. Surgeries were being performed in the equivalent of a large storage closet where amputations were performed with hacksaws. This facility was not nearly could not nearly accommodate our equipment nor our expertise to treat the volume of injuries that we saw. So we set up at this community hospital that was several miles away from the location that they were sent to. And then uh, upon arrival, they found scores of patients with pus dripping out of an open extremity fracture uh, and crush injuries. Some of the wounds were already ridden with maggots. About a third of the victims that he worked with were children. He said the entire hospital smelled of infected, rotting limbs and death. And later on, we would judge our surgical progress by the diminishment of the stench of dead flesh. He said we did not expect that the two anesthesia machines would not work. 
they didn't expect that there would only be one cautery available. So that's the little electric device that they use to cauterize blood vessels. Uh, that The entire hospital only had the one. Uh, they didn't expect that the operating room sterilizer would fit only instruments the size of a cigar box. Obviously, they were working with things that were much larger, so they could not adequately sterilize. They also didn't know there would be no sterile saline solution. Uh, they didn't know that there would be no functioning fluoroscopy machine. They didn't know there would be no blood for blood transfusions. They didn't know that they were not going to be able to get any lab work done. And the only local staff that they had available to work with them was a ragtag group of voluntary health providers who, like us, had made it there on their own. I think they paid their own way, to be honest with you. So they believed, and 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 he wrote that this was a willful disregard of human rights, specifically by the Clinton Foundation. And they believed that the Clinton Foundation had deceived the people of the world and had taken advantage of this whole situation and the people that were struggling to simply stay alive. And uh, that what he saw just added insult to injury. He said, upon our departure, we witnessed pallets of Cheerios and dry goods sitting on the tarmac, helping nobody. Yet our flight of critical medical equipment and personnel had been canceled. And the equipment that did get through was hijacked. Oh, man. Uh, yeah. And this guy killed yeah. himself by stabbing himself. On Allegedly. Just makes no Allegedly sense. In, in the Clinton's opinion. Yes. He uh, he killed himself. So. Dr. Dean Lorich, um, and like I said, the, uh, uh, the, the good folks that I met that told me about Dr. Lorich, um, they had no idea that in 2017, he had been found with a knife in his, uh, in his chest, uh, with a miss and then, you know, of, of actual puncture of the heart. Um, they found out watching a, a documentary that somebody had put together about the Clinton death, Clinton body count. And, uh, it was pretty traumatic for them. And so uh, they their their one wish was that people would draw attention to this because, you know, this guy had everything going for him. And, you know, it seemed like his life was, was dedicated to helping people. But, you know, ABC News and the Clinton Foundation wants you to believe that he stabbed himself in the heart, likely because he had um, a. Uh, oh, uh, uh, a lawsuit that was pending against him. I, there are more deaths that we could tangentially connect to this scenario, cool. but this one was the most direct. And I think Klaus Eberwein was the other one. There's actually a, there's more than a couple more, but are, we're are they, what is the reason? Like, are these, I mean, think about it. your, your, uh, your girlfriend, real red pill, 78 girlfriend made a really yeah. good point. A surgeon doesn't miss his heart. Like this yeah. guy knew exactly how to kill himself. Yep. yep. Knew exactly where to put that knife to end it in one blow. You wouldn't have to make it that brutal where you have to do it multiple times. Just, Absolutely. It just makes no sense. No, no, it doesn't. Yes. And, you know, I've got I've got several other deaths. Maybe we'll we'll talk about them next week because we didn't get into some of the the other stuff like the child trafficking. I think that 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 warrants a, a show as well. So we'll finish that up next week. Yeah. OK. Yeah. Well, we can so get into uh, the Freight Awakening Hour. The Fredo Awakening <laughs> part of the show where we read through all Fredo of had to go to bed, too. So Fredo, hopefully that. you're watching this tomorrow. I saw that, but um, but yeah, let's uh, well, here, let me pull up the Badlands boost first, okay. see if we got any from last week. If you guys are watching this at home, 
and you would like to have us read your comment on air, you can go to badlandsmedia.tv, hit support, click on our show under the Badlands Boost section, and we'll we'll read it here on air. And then also, guys, make sure you do us a favor, hit that thumbs up. Let's see if we got any from last week. Hmm. Not looking promising. Hold on. Oh, here's one um, from Cato Hawk. Another great show, and I've come to realize that the weekly I look forward. Hold on, this is hard to read. Another great show, and I've come to realize the weekly I look most forward to on Badlands is Baseless Conspiracies. Appreciate the crypto Z-ish topics as a necessary step back from the consistent narrative pounding we all choose to be a part of. Thanks again, and keep bringing it, fellas. Thank you. Thank you so much. Appreciate that. Um, oh my gosh, you're gonna see how long this one is. I, I'm gonna say thank you for this, but I'm not. I don't know if I can read this whole thing. Texan oh. Dave, ten dollars sent. Like apparently, Goodreads a book, and he literally sent a book. Look how long this thing is. Oh yeah, C copy that and and email that to me or something. Wow, it's on, it's on Badlands Boost. But oh okay, I'll, I'll go and I'll go and get it. But that's awesome. Yeah, thank you for the rant. Um, it's about the giant stuff we did last week. So, and I think that's all we got from this week. So let's get into the Rumble rants. Thank you, guys. Yes, the KAH is now a monthly supporter. Thank you. Whoop, whoop. And they leave the rant that says John with the best voice for radio and a face for the movies with a heart. I believe you have that backwards, but thank you for the rant. <laughs> Uh, Freight Awakening says, comment on the landlines. I've gotten shit from friends I know. Or sorry, I've gotten shit from friends that I know John judges. My Spectrum internet package is cheaper with a landline, and my maid burned my cell charger today. Glad I have it. Suck it, haters. What was your maid doing burning your cell phone charger? Yeah, what? You have a maid? I don't I don't believe it. This sounds like a <laughs> bogus story. It's gotta be. <laughs> Liar. Say, or EC was here. There is no Clinton body count. And if you say there is, Hillary will have you killed. Also, Mohap. Yep. Guys, somebody other than Fredo said Mohap first. <laughs> uh, Fred Awakening wants to stay on topic. So who do you think has a bigger schlong? Taylor Swift, Lady Gaga, or Susan Rice? My money's on Rice. <laughs> I don't know. That's a good question, though. 1027 JS. Hello, guys. Hey, Joe. Polly Mathanon, post 183. Zach, did you ever pull that up? I, you know, I didn't. I'll, I'll get it in a moment. Yeah. Um, Resolute 23 Patriot, the Ace of Diamonds is now off the board. Red Shield. Then a Wikipedia link. Yes. Up next, King of Diamonds, KC the third. Until next time. Very nice. Uh, Mother of Cats 104, just watched a documentary on Epstein. Very interesting and somewhat disturbing. Isn't there one on Netflix of him? Uh, there, yeah, Filthy Rich. It, it's based on um, the book, Filthy Rich. It's um, They definitely tried to make a connection to Donald Trump, but in the book, it's very clear that Donald Trump basically was the only person who ever worked to yeah. you know expose Epstein outside of the, the, the people that were investigating him. Um, there's also one about Ghislaine Maxwell, I'm pretty sure, on Netflix. I, I watched the Jeffrey Epstein one, but I didn't see the Ghislaine one. I also think I saw, 
is it the Florida state legislature? They passed a vote. And I think Governor DeSantis just needs to sign it. I could be wrong yeah. here, but no, you're right. You're right. And that would release all of the files and everything. It would release the grand jury information. Okay. So I, I I don't know if uh, that will perhaps just the discovery or the evidence they presented to the grand jury. Undoubtedly, there's going to be uh, certain files that you know are, are maybe going to be communications between the uh, U.S. attorney, maybe Alex Acosta, and you know, local uh, prosecutors, that would be stuff that I'd be interested to see. I, I want to see, um, you know, everything, but certainly the grand jury information is a great start. Yeah. We shall, shall see how that plays out. Fred Awakening, I think Bill and the cunt went to Haiti for walnut sauce, just saying. Very likely. Yes. Yeah. We'll, we'll touch we'll on that next, that next week. week. Fred Awakening, look up Slilsby. These people are sick. Yeah, Laura Silsby. That's the child trafficking stuff we're going to talk about next week. Okay, thank you. Um, Poso for Hope. I believe Hillary brother Rodham owns diamond mines. Uh, well, it was the the gold mine. Uh, he's he's also dead. We're definitely <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about him next week. We'll talk about him next week. <laughs> okay, we got a trailer here from Wild Boar official trailer. Let's see what this is. The Serpent and the Rainbow official trailer. Oh, yeah. This is a great movie. Okay. Well, let's, let's check it out. From Wes Craven, director of A Nightmare on Elm Street. Comes a story of the forbidden world between life and death. There's a door to the mystical. And you just walk through it. Somebody brought him back from the grave. And I want to know how they did it. Death is not the end. I'll take your soul. You think you can take these people's secrets and just walk away? In the shadows of the imagination lies the ultimate nightmare. Don't let them bury me. I'm not dead. The Serpent and the Rainbow. I don't know, man. Not my oh, kind of dude. movie. Was oh, it no, good? It's good. Yeah. Yeah. I want to say it's like Wes Craven directed it. The guy, the yeah, Nightmare on Elm Street guy. It's good. Mm. It's it's scary. It scared the crap out of me when I was a little kid. And mm. honestly, I think about it every time I think about Hillary Clinton biting the head off a chicken. <laughs> in, really? in the 80s. I'm just not into scary movies, like deliberately putting myself through that stuff. I just don't. So is it like you you don't like like suspense you don't like the terror i mean is it everything or is it like gore that you're not interested in i mean i can handle gore it's not like that it's just the the feeling of being scared i just don't know why i want to put myself through that i i love it <laughs> I, I think i i just like i like good storytelling and you know i mean like i also am interested in like you know the the fantastical aspect of it but i mean like 
that's cool because like that stuff really happens. I mean, like there are voodoo practitioners and I, I got to be honest, I want to know the signs and symptoms so I can make sure I keep away from anybody who's going to blow <laughs> scopolamine in my face or something. So it's research for you, but like, you know, absolutely. It's all research, John. The the thriller movies. I, I like those. I'm just saying like the, the scary, like the ones that are actual, they just want to scare you. The whole point of the movie is just to scare you over and over and over again. Well, those there's, there's, there is a good underlying story to the serpent in the rainbow and it's frightening because it's based in reality. That's what I like. Hmm. It didn't look like a lot of reality from the trailer, but Hey, if you put it on the list someday, 30 years from now, maybe I'll, I'll get to it when I retire 30 years from now, I get a phone call. Zach, do you remember me? It's your friend, John. <laughs> I finally got around to that list. <laughs> Waiting for my royalties. <laughs> um, Fred Awakening, can anyone here uh, even imagine what a billion dollars would do for their life or community? We've Put sent hundreds. What? Put them back on screen. Oh, we've uh, we've sent hundreds of billions to cokeheads. I have 3K in my checking account and feel stoked. Clown world. Yep. Yeah. Hundreds of billions of dollars. I mean, a billion dollars, just like you can't conceptualize it. It's just, it's insane. Resolute even a million. Even what? Even a million dollars. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Let's link here. Okay. From Resolute 23 Patriot. Um, it's a time magazine with trump holding a card i've oh, never man. seen that before ace in the hole this, what's the this, this man may turn you green with envy or just turn you off flaunting it is the game and trump is the name amen all right thank you resolute patriot i made I'm a just, lot of money oh yeah sorry i gotta read the rest of it these people are and then until next time green with envy maybe uh, Jason of TJ, if the donations via NGOs are presumably tax deductible, at least for the most part, then they are mostly all taxpayer dollars, aren't they? That is a good point, but there is a level yeah. every state, every, it depends when the donations took place. There might be different rules going on. Well, I, you know, I think, I mean, truly what it would represent is a uh, possible tax revenue that could be coming and you know obviously they're not getting it so perhaps the idea would be that they would attempt to capture it in another fashion like didn't we talk about the i don't know actually i talked with brad about it but that that ai that the irs is using to um, monitor everybody's bank accounts and seek out fraudulent activity yeah. so in in the first six months, John, of using that program, the IRS recaptured $500 billion. Jeez. Yeah. You should send me some info on that after the show. That Okay. I've heard about it, but I haven't actually read anything on it. So, yeah. Um, Afraid Awakening. Sorry for the low dollar rants, but my cleaning lady is awful when it comes to maintaining my stuff. Willing to do a stream about competent maids. Mohab. <laughs> Oh man, Fredo. Posto for Hope. Zach, please check out Amazing Polly newest video. So I saw it right. Well, I didn't watch the full thing, but I saw it right before it came on. Um, Polly is focusing on people who are purchasing Rumble stock. Just the other day, um, somebody had said in my chat, or a couple of people emailed me and said, 
you know, BlackRock just bought Rumble. And uh, I said, let me show you a cool tool. And so I pulled up a, uh, a stock portfolio, which shows the percentages of publicly traded Rumble stock that is owned by organizations and individuals. BlackRock collectively owns 1.9% of the available shares. Vanguard is, I believe, the number one institutional holder. And I think they're less than 10%, if I'm yeah. remembering correctly. Um, Chris but, owns it all, or most of it. Yeah, Chris Pavlovsky, the, the, you know, the guy who started Rumble, he owns the vast majority of Rumble stock. And so what's important is that a, a an institutional holder like a BlackRock or a Vanguard or some other uh, institution that's going to push DEI on that company, uh, that they don't own more than a majority share. Because Chris owns the majority share, he's the one who decides the direction that Rumble is going to go into. And yep. he's committed, uh, from what I understand, uh, to maintaining a reasonable level of freedom of speech. So what I thought was kind of funny is that uh, Polly links to her rumble channel <laughs> right at the top of her twitter when she's talking about how she's worried about the direction rumble's going i believe me I, i'm not making fun of her and i understand her you know concern but I, I just don't think that it's something that we need to worry about yeah um I, I saw that too the i only watched a little bit of it when she started talking about peter thiel i've heard from pretty good sources that it's believed he divested from rumble mm -hmm. um, i haven't been able to confirm that or anything but but I'm I've heard of Polly before. Never watched any of her stuff until she went on this whole thing about the wellness company not long ago. Um, I think she is on to something. Like I like how she talks about um, like the she's new, a great researcher, the new media type thing, and how they all share each yeah. other. That's something Chris talks about a lot, and we've talked about a lot that a lot in the Power Hour. I think she's on yeah. something there. But what she was talking about with the wellness company was not accurate, in my opinion. Um, we have the wellness company. They were a sponsor tonight. And yeah. I guess I can't speak for any of the other people who work with wellness company because they might actually be working through Rumble because I'm pretty sure the wellness company gave Rumble, like they partnered with them for like $6 million or something. And I'm assuming that's how all those other people are getting their, you know, sponsored by um, the wellness company. We, when we first started, they were, you know, we signed up them up probably six months in, mm -hmm. five months in or something. And we have our own affiliate outside of what Rumble does. And Polly was implying that or, uh, the wellness company is uh, like controlling what people say or something. And it's like, so far it, I've, we, I don't even think I've ever spoken to the wellness company since we signed our affiliate deal with them. Like they, yeah. they've literally not said a effing word to us. Yeah. And so at least in my experience, she, she was way off base with that. And, but that's, that's really my only thing. I've heard a lot of good things about her though. So anyway, I will finish the rest of that video though, because rumble is our primary platform. Although, we are off our our ban from YouTube. I we're, saw that we're back yeah. on YouTube tonight, so that's cool. Um, let's see who we got here. Um, Ellen VK, it's what we suspected and never wanted to hear. Thank you for your great research, Zach. Yes, thank, thank you, you, Zach. fifty nine, how's it going, man? Zach, can a metal safe withstand an EMP for hard drives? Yeah, uh, a, a Faraday cage doesn't even have to be a safe. It could quite literally be like any reasonable metal structure that's surrounded. Like you could have your hard drives inside of like uh, like a like a box which is surrounded by chicken wire, and uh, and that would be enough to uh, withstand an EMP. It's just got to have something to absorb that uh, that pulse. Now, also, 
if you have an EMP shield that is uh, connected to your home, that's going to stop the EMP before it gets to the internal uh, wiring of the house. And that would save anything that would be connected in. And Faraday bags. Put your stuff in Faraday yes. bags inside of the safe. Absolutely, yes. Um, Fred Awakening, LLC in Louisiana is untouchable. I've been in banking for 25 years. When I was with Bank of America, we didn't do business in LA or Louisiana. Can't repo there. Repo agents get shot in the swamp. <laughs> have you ever seen a repo man? I have not. Okay, so there's like repo man and then repo men. I want to say repo men was the uh, one from the 80s. It's a great film. And then Repo Man was the one where they are repossessing uh, bionic organs. That was made just like 10 years ago or something. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Envy uh, Runner, speaking body counts, John, Zach, make sure before you sign off tonight to clearly state that I am not suicidal. That's a great point. I am not suicidal. I can't speak for Zach, but I am myself personally not suicidal. So That's okay, up. John. I'll, I'll, t I'll take the... Uh, I'll I'll take the the lead on this and let everybody know that yes in fact I am very excited about my life and continuing to live it. I am definitely not suicidal. There we go. If I wind up dead before you go looking for Clinton, I would probably put Bernie Bright as your first suspect and then go to Clinton <laughs> from there. Just just heads up. Afraid awakening, super tired, heading to bed. Great show. You guys are great. Best show on the interwebs. See you later and mohap. Thank you. Peace, right brother. Uh, Brass Cube, Zach, thanks for thanks for being at our meetup Saturday in Florida. It was a great time in conversations. And no, I'm not married to Angie. It, <laughs> I was to your right. Angie was to your left. Oh, okay. Okay, cool. Cool. Excellent. I, I got it now. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you. Yeah, so cool. It's Tony, man. Hey, guys, you definitely should do an entire episode on Clinton. I'm pretty sure there is enough material. I think we've done like four episodes on the Clintons in one form or another. We should go back and like actually catalog the specific shows. Like I need to write them down because we've done so many. I don't even know. Yeah. Okay. And then we got Resolute 23 Patriots sending the Trump link again. And then this link, Red Diamond. And he says, wake up who died today. Jacob Bronstrom. Um... This is the red diamond link, formerly known as the red shield diamond, is a diamond measure. That's a, mm -hmm. that's a big diamond. I don't know. It, it, so, I mean, is that referenced in the article or something? I mean, well, I think the red diamond, the ace here. I mean, Rothschild means red shield. That's yeah. an ace of diamonds. That would be a red diamond. Well, okay. this what, this diamond is called the Red Shield Diamond. Right, right. So, well, what's the date on that that Time magazine? I mean, is that yesterday's day? I mean, because he actually died yesterday. If I'm January sixteenth, nineteen eighty nine. Okay, all right. So, I don't know. Maybe there's a delta on that date or something like that. Yeah, um, I don't know. but that is interesting. Definitely interesting. Yeah. And then we got uh, Carrie Jean. Uh, it goes by Cap Regene on here, but on the Power Hour, he said it was Carrie Jean. So here's some cash based on the title of the show. Just finished working for the day. See you at Guard 4. Thank you, sir, and looking forward to it. Appreciate it. And that's all the rants tonight. So there we go. Excellent. Well, that was fun. We will continue our discussion on 
the Clinton shenanigans in Haiti next week, I suppose. Excellent. Cool. Have a great night. Yeah, you too, man. Catch you later, everybody. Bye-bye.